Well, don't we live, I know right now it's kind of hard to say this because I didn't plan on it raining, but don't we live in a wonderful world? You know, as I get older, there's a song that kind of grows on me uh, more and more, and it's a song that we, most of us probably in this room know, uh, written by uh, uh, Louis Armstrong, and it basically says, what a wonderful world, right? I see trees of green, I'm not going to sing, I see trees of green, red roses too, blossoming or something like that, the colors for you and me, and I think to myself, what? What a wonderful world. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, our great designer, God, probably, in my opinion, did his greatest masterpiece by designing planet Earth here and designing you and I to inhabit it and take dominion over it, right? And commune with God and have a daily fellowship with God. Um, There's purpose all around us. It's almost one of the best conversations you can have with an atheist. I'm not going to get into it tonight, but I mean, if there's no God, okay, well, how come there's just so much purpose around us? It doesn't just coincidentally happen, right? The trees were designed to do shade, bees to pollen in the earth, right? Gravity to keep us on our feet, mosquitoes to, well, I know that's probably not a good example, mosquitoes, but, but you get my point. I mean, there is a lot of purpose around us and it's just, it's, it's amazing how he designed that. So how come Sometimes this utopia I just described isn't always a utopia, right? I mean, to be honest, sometimes we have those days in walk our Christian life that it can be a struggle at times. I mean, that same drop of water that a plant hungers for to grow it, you multiply that water many, many times, it can become a flood and destroy it, right? How, I mean, nowadays in the warm, warm weather that we're going to have even in a few days too, I mean, we could really hunger for a nice summer breeze, Right? But with that breeze, a few different elements can change, and that thing grows and grows and becomes a tornado and destroys everything in its path, right? But it does. Um, and then people, when they get hurt, maybe it's not their own attention to get deeply hurt by a person or just some event that's happened in their life, and God wants to heal it, but it actually leads into a hatred. I mean, these things happen. Why? Why do they happen? Um, You know, as we know, as Christians, we live in a fallen world, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to in the long run. Um, Against popular belief in my family, I don't like listening to my voice for a long period of time. So I'm going to ask somebody, this is not a prop, who wants to be my scripture reading buddy tonight? Come on, we got a close community here. Anybody? I'm just going to have you read a few scriptures. You got to be able to see that screen, though. That's a qualification. But I'm going to go over a few scriptures tonight. Would you read them from the screen? No pressure. I just may pick somebody anyhow. I'm looking at you, John. You said hi. You want to do it? Okay. So I'm, all right. I'm empowering you. We're not allowed to give this out too much. so Just for scriptures. Yes. All right. But thank you. I'll, you'll have to turn it on when I tell you. But I'll point to you. But I appreciate that. Okay. Um, but you're going to start in just a second. So let's start with Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 17. Brian? But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So there's what we just talked about. When Adam and Eve, we all know this, participated in that act of relinquishing authority over to Satan through that disobedient act, um, the war began basically, between good and evil in this earth. And as Christians, we know our greatest victory was when love hung on that cross, when Jesus Christ hung on that cross for you and I to wipe away our sins and to win the war over eternal death. I mean, that's fantastic. So he said it was finished on the cross. 
And that's what he meant. But how come sometimes we struggle with different things as our, in our Christian walk? How come? It's because the title of this message, we are born into a fight. And it's a daily fight. The war has been won, but because we still have to inhabit planet Earth and battle evil, it's a fight. It really is. I'm really hoping to speak to people tonight that are struggling through their Christian walk. So if you're not, just hit the cruise button and say amen occasionally. But, you know, I really want to reach out to people who are struggling in their daily walk. And we're going to walk through this uh, to kind of discover how this could be happening. But we are, for, we are born into a fight. When you became a Christian, you automatically were born into a fight. Plain and simple, draw the you, you, can't, you can't, get it, can't get through that. You can't deny it. You can't run away from it. Don't worry. This is going to be an encouraging message. So I grew up in a very topsy, in the topsy-turvy streets of Belmont, Massachusetts, all right? There wasn't a lot of high-level threats of fights and all this and that as I was growing up. Uh, a few fights here and there to get my Legos back when I was maybe eight years old for my sister. Maybe my neighbor stole the G.I. Joe and I had to get fight to get him back. But there was not, I didn't know much about fighting as I was growing up, and that was fine. But I did start learning it through, where else? The movies, Right. I mean, how many of you guys have seen Rocky? That was one of the biggest movies I watched over and over. And uh, remember in Rocky 35? No, just kidding. (laughs) But one thing I did learn through Rocky, it seemed at the end of each of those movies, you know, he's in the ring, he's battling, he can't see through his eyes, he's bleeding everywhere, he's in the fight, right? And then he wins the fight most of the time, and he's yelling across the ring, Adrian, you know, all that. And she comes running up, and they hug and celebrate, what, the victory. But here's what I learned. There's no victory without a fight, right? I'll say that again, and hopefully the 18 to 30-year-olds, there's no victory without a fight. There really isn't. So, but that's pretty much my uh, growing up is just learning different fight things and strategies through different movies that I was able to see. Um, I just really want to talk about maybe three points. I want to talk about what the fight is tonight, all right, and some of the struggles that people might be going through it when they're trying to walk out the call, and what we've actually been given to fight the fight. So as I said earlier, when you became a Christian, I don't know if you were saved in a, at an altar call in a church or whatever, uh, you probably got that brochure to read when you went home, but on the first page it just said, heaven's your home, right? But that's just a piece of what you just started to commit to, right? It's fantastic, that's our destiny. What Jesus did on the cross is fantastic, but in most of those brochures, if you dug in a little bit more, Um, you were going to see that uh, before Jesus left this earth in his ministry, he told his disciples to do something, which was some of the great commission. And as you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, you surrendered your heart to him so your heart could be emptied so he could transform your life, right? So in Matthew 28, it's not on the screen, but that is the Great Commission. Basically, he's meeting with his disciples, baptize my name in the earth, and it's my loose translation, and basically make disciples among the nation. When you read that, though, it does, at the time, if I, again, I'm not a Bible scholar, but 
he didn't ordain those disciples to be pastors and say, go build your church, wait for them to come in the sanctuary and then make disciples, right? He didn't say that. He's talking to the disciples to go duplicate what they were already doing. And we don't have to be ordained. It's our calling. It may come in different shapes and sizes because we're in different geographic locations or spiritual locations, but the call is all the same. You need to represent Christ in the earth. Represent to your family, your mother-in-law. Represent him to your workplace, places you don't want to go, right? That is what we're called to do. As Pastor Kurt said it, and when he was preaching a few Sundays ago, he was really leaning on the idea that we, we are called to be the salt and the light of the earth. We're not called to fit in. <laughs> uh, Jesus knew that after, after he won the war on that cross that it was going to be something that these, that these disciples were going to have to be born into a fight. Um, in John 14, it's not on the screen, John 14, 26, Jesus talking about, hey, I got to get out of here. I'm going to heaven. So in the King James Version, a comforter can come, right? Well, some Christians read it away. Well, I need the comforter so I can be comfortable. Listen, the only coincidence between the word Christianity and comfort is they both start with the letter, thank you. That's it. So, but really, it's back to that simplicity. But God, Jesus knew we were going to come up against opposition in what he was commanding us to do. But it really is simple. When we say making disciples, it may, like I say, come in different shapes and forms initially. It's basically just shining the light in the darkness at every opportunity you can see. It may be one smile at a time, one encouraging word at a time. You're planting seeds to open their heart. It's really an amazing opportunity we have. As the darkness is growing, the light, it can overtake what we are up against. Pastor John talked many years ago, too, about the power of the light. I mean, just even in physics. I mean, there is no such thing as a dark switch, right? So the light will always overcome the darkness, right? Christianity is not a static lifestyle. We're called to do something. And we're called to be on a battlefield to win and build his kingdom here on earth while we're breathing. So why is it a, a fight, a battle? Excuse me. Well, the way I see it, there's two oppositions that, you can, that can pull you out of this fight or bring struggle to your life. One we already know is Satan, right? Pitchfork, horn, Satan, right? Um, the thing with Satan is, although this is spiritual warfare, he really only has the authority to work in the physical realm against us mostly, right? And he does a wonderful job. His main tools are working through the facade of people against people. Again, facade. Facade's just a, it's not the real person in most cases. But Satan does not want you on the battlefield. He does not want you to gain any territory for God's kingdom. And he knows it's a spiritual fight, but it is. He uses physical things to manipulate. Uh, Richard, John 10.10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Thank you. In a scripture we all know. But it's pretty blatant. I mean, it's not vague what he does, right? Steal, kill, and destroy. There's another accomplice in the world, though. Satan does his damage. He certainly does. But his accomplices sometimes is ourselves, the people that look in the mirror and say, me, you, okay? That we may actually take some lies that Satan's given us and, and, and study it and educate ourselves on it and make some truth out of it. Um, you know, we are sometimes Satan's accomplice in putting struggles in our lives. So it's something to be very aware of. Satan does get blamed for a lot of things, and he does, and he should. But we help ourselves in that area as well, too. So let's talk about some elements that are the struggle in this fight that we're born into. Again, when we became a Christian, you didn't get a questionnaire, do you want to come into this fight or not? You're born into this fight. You are called to make territory and build territory for the kingdom of God here on earth. But here are just some elements, and it's a battlefield. We're talking about oh, the wars won, but we have a daily battle that we're dealing with because of the opposition. Um, in conventional war, World War I, World War II, they had these things called foxholes, right? And most of those soldiers would use them for safety and shelter, which was good. For my illustration tonight, I say there's spiritual foxholes in this battlefield, Okay. But the only thing with this is the spiritual foxholes that are developed are basically not to protect us from the battle. <laughs> it's to pull us out of the battle. And we fall in these things over and over again. And these things turn into dependencies in our lives, in truths, so it paralyzes us forever getting into the battle. So let's talk about a few foxholes that I've thought of that have bothered, you know, that I've I feel that could be, you know, very um, influential in uh, bringing struggles into our life. Again, these are mindsets when I say foxholes. Again, things that Satan will bring for you to study and try and paralyze you to not fight the fight that you've been born into. The first one's plain and simple, fear, right? I mean, over and over the Bible talks of how deadly it can be and how we can overcome it, Right? Um, the biggest fear, I think, in this type of scenario is just denying there even is a fight. I'm going to be a casual Christian, just live my life, put it on cruise control. There is no fight. I love everybody, you know? Uh, the feel of, fear of failure, feel of rejection. Defensiveness is really fear-based, too, because it's an insecurity issue, too. I'm very defensive, uh, the fear of failing God. That's big too. And these foxholes are small. They feel comfortable at first. You know, you're in the small space, your mindset. Well, there's a battle going on that you're supposed to be in. You're underneath. Um, certainly wasn't a spiritual giant that I know, but President Roosevelt, as we know, during the time of war he was president, said this very simple but powerful truth. The only thing we have to fear is... Thank you. Very easy. Second foxhole, control. Some people love living in this foxhole, in this mindset. 
because they have the need to have to be, have the ability to control everything in their life. And doing that doesn't leave much room for God to work in your life. Some people even felt they've been given the divine gifting of fixing everything around them, including themselves and other people. It's the art of control still, right? Staying in this foxhole can be very exhausting because sometimes you enter into territory of trying to control things that you can't even control. And you're so preoccupied. And even in some cases, you'll alienate people because they don't think like you. They don't look like you. You can't control that. You can't identify with that. So you create islands. Another foxhole. The art of intention. I've lived in this foxhole before. Basically, it's... Judging your life by your intentions, we know this, and judging others by their actions and maybe even executing them because of it, right? And any momentum in your foxhole feels like achievement because you're only accountable to who? You. I, 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 I dabbled in intentions very long where even in my mind I would build these great hall of fame buildings of all the great intentions I've meant to do over my life. And you know what it did for the kingdom? <sniffs> Nothing, right? They're just intentions. It certainly gives no mindset to growth because you're only accountable to you, as I said. Again, we are talking about being on a battlefield of winning souls for Christ spreading his word and his love and reaching a dying world. You're born into this fight. The next foxhole, consumerism, All right? It's a mindset. I mean, marketing companies have created this appetite over the years and made billion-dollar industries over it. But sadly, Christians have adopted this too, even in the church. The attitudes can rise. What's in it for me? That's not convenient. And over time, if things are not working out in your consumption, murmuring, complaining can start. And certainly in this consumption, because you're so focused on you, your level for self-awareness, there's nothing much there, meaning you're not aware of people around you. How can you serve? John 6.43. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. So he dealt with this even amongst disciples. When they didn't get their way or they didn't see what was right or truth or whatever. So you need to be careful. That's a big symptom if you decide murmuring and complaining. You know what's a great thing to do? And I got to practice this more. So a lot of this I'm preaching to myself tonight. But when your feet hit the floor, instead of lining up all your expectations for the day, replace them for thankfulness. It goes a long way. So the next foxhole, mindset. Uh, in James, it talks about somebody being double-minded, is unstable. So this one would be indecisiveness. You don't like making decisions quickly. 
And I agree, definitely in our Christian walk, we need to pray and fast for decisions. We're talking about being on a battlefield, winning souls for Christ. You need to make split-second decisions. And if you're tuning into the one who's giving you instructions, you need to step out so he steps in. But indecisiveness doesn't let us draw lines quickly or stand up for truth when you need to do that. It's a mindset that can handicap you in the long run. So those are just some of the foxholes, the mindsets that I could think of. Hopefully some of them might have connected with you. Again, I know none of you are in them right now, but I mean just something that you could connect with on that. Uh, But let's talk about climbing out and getting into the battlefield of the fight. Most Christians love singing the song, while I'm waiting, I think John Waller did it, while I'm waiting on you, Lord. But the problem is some Christians think that's a full-time job of waiting, okay? They just wait and wait and wait. The sky's supposed to open up. But God's really wanting you to look up out of that foxhole and begin to climb. Let me shed some light on something. And I'm not being insensitive. These struggles are real. I deal with them too sometimes. But listen, the enemy wants to think that the struggles we just talked about are happening because you're in the fight. That's a complete lie. I'm going to say that again. The enemy is sharing a lie to you that's saying because the struggles you are going through right this minute is because you're in the fight. The problem is you're not. You're in a foxhole. You're dormant for Christ right now. And I'm not making light of these these issues and struggles because they're very real. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because he doesn't want you to identify that, wait a minute, I get on the battlefield, I've been equipped to do everything that God's equipped me to do, and I can fight the good fight. He doesn't want you to know that at all. So he wants you to stay off that battlefield. But that's a big lie. Again, he works in the physical realm. We have to be very alert in the spiritual, but he is always roaming doing that. Here's another tool and identity to know how to start climbing out of these foxholes. We don't talk about it much at church, but God has designed these organs in us. One is called a brain, okay, to make decisions, and one is an emotion. Emotions under control can be a very powerful tool. You couple that with decision, you've got a freight train going somewhere, okay, I mean, we make decisions every day. What am I going to wear? What coffee shop am I going to go to? What am I going to watch on TV? You know, we make these decisions. How how well do we put value on some of these decisions? So the first decision I would recommend if you're climbing out of the foxhole that we just talked about, make a decision to stop majoring in the minors and major on what God's called you to do and who he sees you to be. We major in some of this minor stuff. He said that, she said that, the worship was too long. I mean, all these stuff. I mean, these are minor things. Major on what God sees in you and what he's called you to do. I heard this quote, decisions we make control us more than the conditions we meet. I'll say that again. Decisions we make control us more than the conditions we meet. Put value on your decisions. As I just mentioned, emotions. They are very powerful if under control. 
I mean, the word talks about the emotion joy. If you boil it down, it's emotion, right? And then in Nehemiah, he tells us it's even our strength at times, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's a powerful emotion you, you need to harness. And joy is always a decision base, never a result base. Never. So you have the ability to make decisions and the emotions to come together and drive your freight train where God's calling you to go. And these are, I mean, God designed us to have a free will, right? Or we're all a bunch of robots walking around, right? You know? And how do you exercise your free will? You make decisions, right? So it's a God design. But, you know, the start of that is making the decision to really do the right thing. And I would say the first step of that decision is to grow your faith. No matter where you are now, you can always grow. If you're living, breathing, you're growing, right? If you're not growing, you're static. You're not going anywhere. And those foxholes can be very comfortable for static people. I'm not being mean. I'm just... God's calling you to do better things than do the, to be in a foxhole. So first, make that decision. Understand deeply, and we just sang earlier, we exalt you, we exalt you. Why do we exalt you? There's nothing greater than our creator, right? Nothing. None of these foxholes, what you've got to eat tomorrow, what you've got to deal with tomorrow at work. There's nothing greater than our creator, which is God. And he deserves to be exalted, right? For, whatever, for everything he's done for us, let alone that. So make a decision to grow your faith. What does that mean? Make a decision to pursue him daily. It's everything. God is waiting for you to pursue him. He's not going to chase you down anymore. He's given you everything. He's thrown a Bible in front of you. He's opened the doors of a church to be educated, okay, to fellowship, be in a community. He's waiting on you to begin to step out and pursue him. You know, we, 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 especially in New England, we have these great sports teams, Patriots, Celtics, and obviously, and coupled in there, there's some great athletes and everything else, and we always watch them in action. They're like, oh my gosh, how does he throw that pass so far, Tom Brady? You know, things like that, and the other guy always catches it. What we are always seeing with athletes or musicians performing beautifully is we're seeing the fruit of discipline, right? That didn't happen overnight. They didn't just wake up and, oh, the heavens opened up. God gave me a gift, and I'm just going to run with it. There's a serious discipline involved. And I would say to you, when you decide to start pursuing God, you need to make a solid strategy of your discipline in that. And don't veer from it left or right, because there's going to be plenty of distractions along the way. God is waiting for you to pursue him. But get grounded in the truth of God's word. That's part of it. In that pursuit, it's prayer. It's a two-way conversation prayer, right? It's not just you telling him everything you think he needs to know about you that he already knows. It's praying and communicating with him, right? Because you know what? When you're quiet, he's going to talk mostly. So that pursuit is prayer. It's digesting that word of God every day that you can. It's reaching out to others to pray for them. So start the climb. 
if you're in this foxhole. Start the climb. Get on that battlefield and start pursuing him. Some of you might be even overwhelmed when I say the word fight. I mean, that's how much you're struggling. It's like, I can't take any of this anymore. Okay, well, most likely we just talked about that you haven't even been in the fight yet. I'm not being insensitive, but start stepping out and pursuing him. When you're on the battlefield, that's where God is. And that's where he's going to grow you. We can grow in here beautifully with teaching and hearing the word of God, and it's very rich here. That's just part of it. Because we can get some cellulite in the seats if we don't exercise it out there, right? So you have to. And the neat thing is, if that foxhole, if you're in many of them, God will meet you where you are. He knows exactly where you are. But being on that battlefield is where true blessings is. I know this sounds so contradictory to the world, right? But it's where true blessings is. It's where true freedom is in him because you're seeing the territory you're conquering for Christ and God working through every step of your way. Okay? The devil wants to intimidate you on this. And I'm not here 100% either. Man, I wish I was running on all eight cylinders with this. It's a growing process. And getting your discipline down and knowing you have to pursue God every day. In the pursuit is not a piece of stale toast every morning. Because every time you pursue, you're learning more and more of him. You'll never come to a full comprehension of how much he loves you here on earth and what he's done for you. And discovering more and more of him will create a better appetite and hunger to continue to find more and more of him, right? I mean, it's just... It's... So... Start the climb. First Timothy six six twelve. It's not on the screen. Uh, as I said earlier, fight the good fight of faith. If there's a good fight involved, there must be a good resolve, right? And then in Ephesians six twelve, it's not on the screen. Um, obviously, this is one that we know, but we've got a tattoo it somewhere. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but only spiritual matters. People are not your enemy. Now I'm going to get you. Psalm 91. This is worth reading the entire chapter. I got you here. Meditate on this chapter because part of the dwelling it's talking about is you abiding in him and pursuing him every day. Thank you. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, 
but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. What better backing up of our Lord God on the battlefield than Psalm 91. Thank you, Richard. I mean, it's all enriched in there that he's got your back. He's got your back. True growth happens on the battlefield in the fight. And again, the fight is simply shining light in the darkness. That is simply it. Satan will put smokes and mirrors up to discourage you in any way, throw these mindsets up that we just talked about so you're living in these foxholes and you become a dormant Christian. But the true freedom and what you've been designed to do and what Christ said is the abundant life is on this battlefield. And we just learned in Psalm 91 of this backing that he's got your back. There's nothing greater than our creator. Nothing. So let's give, I want to do a little, and this might be a little corny, but it's the only thing I can think of. I just want to give like a daily scenario of, of, of being open to shining light in the darkness on a regular daily basis, but being inhibited if I'm living in a foxhole of any of these things we just talked about. So let's say it's the morning, I'm in a coffee shop. This is just an example. I'm in a coffee shop, person in front of me um, is about to order, but this person looks behind me and says, oh man. Life is just so busy. There's just not enough time in the day. And then you're sitting there or standing behind her saying, or him or whoever's in front of you, you know, you're saying, oh, I need to respond to this. I'm trying to build his kingdom on the earth. I said, well, I'm not going to pull my Bible out and hit him over the head. But what should I say? Oh, wait, I know. I could say, thank God he only created 24 hours in a day. So we could get through each day with his strength. But by the time you're contemplating this and being indecisive to quickly respond to this, and you finally solidify all the fear out of the way that, oh, I'm, they may just laugh at me because the guy looks a little scary behind me. Again, facade of people. By the time you decide to maybe say something, that person just got their order and left. So then you get into work. 
get in your cubicle, get ready for work, and your coworker next to you is, is upset and talking to the other coworker and saying, my husband, he's leaving me because he's having an affair. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Real life stuff, by the way, sometimes. And you're sitting there and saying, oh, man, I've never been in this situation before. What should I say? Should I say I'm going to pray for you or, or something? And, you know, you know what? I had great intentions back at that coffee shop to share God. And, you know, there's only one time a day I can probably pull this off. So inside of you, you're basically recoiling, being indecisive again, and you say nothing. And the day goes by. Driving home, wife calls, say, honey, I need us to get some eggs at the grocery store. But honey, American Idol's final season is coming, (laughs) and I'm out of late from work. I say, okay, we'll do it, we'll do it. Runs into aisle 10 or whatever, just stares at the refrigerator of the eggs. Stock boy next to him is putting stock away. And you're like, oh, she only likes local eggs. What color should they be? I forget. So very quickly, because you're in a rush, ask the stock boy, hey, you know what? What color are local eggs? He's like, dude. Yeah, because he's probably say, dude, I think it's brown, but what matters? And you just say, thanks, man. You grab the brown, you drive home, and you get to watch American Idol. There's an opportunity right there, but you were so engulfed in a foxhole or a mindset of consumerism that you were there to consume you and go home and watch American Idol and you missed a great opportunity to share the light of Jesus in that stock boy's life. So you can see how these different mindsets are little things that will stop you from building his kingdom on this earth. Again, you don't need to be the next Luis Palau, Billy Graham. They've amazing, incredible lives and won many souls in the kingdom. You got to be you. That's it. What has God has called you to do? It may look at different shapes and sizes. It may be a smile, an encouragement, like I said earlier, planting seeds to open a heart. But you don't know those opportunities you miss that some of those people may not have an opportunity to breathe tomorrow because something may have happened to them. I don't mean to scare you, but it's just reality. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We know that, right? But these are just simple acts, but it becomes a fight when we run into a struggle and we don't do that and we don't follow Christ's leading. So that's just a little corny example, but I mean, it can be true. You need to be vigilant and sober on the battlefield and know every opportunity to be there. I would really encourage you to read read some of Paul's letters in the New Testament because he was very vivid with the struggles he went through in building the church and training the disciples what they needed to do. I mean, he went through stuff, right? You think we broke a nail and it's the end of the world. He went through stuff. Well, Winston Churchill said this once. He said, pessimistic people see the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty, right? Just turn it. Attitude's everything. As far as, you know, equipping yourselves, going out on the day, we talked about pursuit of God, Psalm 91, but I would also um, 
encourage you to live and breathe in Ephesians 6. We know this. It's the armor of God, right? In there, he's given the ability of truth in us, his righteousness, peace, faith, our salvation, and walking in the spirit. How important is that to be sensitive to that? Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So these two verses are very powerful in giving you that courage to keep staying on that battlefield in this fight you've been born into. One more scripture, Proverbs 4.23. Very important when you're on that battlefield. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Your heart is where things can develop if you go unguarded. In those foxholes we talked about, you can easily fall into it. So you may say, Chris, you know, I've been Christian for how long? I just don't want to be in the fight. I don't want to be on a battlefield. I'm going to heaven. That's really all that matters. And that's fine. But let me encourage you in just one thing. What I said earlier to those who want to be on the battlefield. Pursue God daily. Create that discipline daily. Because you know what? There's a little secret what's going to happen Because once you get to know him more and more, there's no way out of it. Organically, you're going to need to share that with others when you know the true and risen Christ. You can't get out of that. Again, we're born into this fight. It's a fight we will win. We are equipped with everything. We just went through all these scriptures. It's a simple fight of shining the light in the darkness. And the light is more powerful than darkness. And on this battlefield and in this fight, you will have the opposition. That's why it's called what it's called, a battlefield and fight. But again, you're backed by the true and living God because you're here to establish his kingdom on earth. There's no reason you're not going to win. Michael W. Smith wrote a song, I think a, a year or two ago, and most of us know it, I'm not going to sing it either. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, meaning God. If we can get that in our heart and rest in that fact, it, we'll be able to battle hell for a living on this battlefield. So as I mentioned You know, if you are in any of these mindsets and these foxholes, I really would encourage understanding that it starts with you. The decision, the emotions to climb out of that hole and what God's given you to do to do that. And that's simply it. And then from there on the battlefield, fight the good fight. And the lie that the enemy continues to tell you if you're in struggle, that this struggle is happening because you're in the fight. It ain't true, you're not in the fight. You're far from it. God loves you guys so much. He almost bankrupt heaven for, every, for you guys. Why would he do that for us to get saved 
and put our life on cruise control and not build his kingdom on this earth. It's where true victory is. Like I said earlier, there's no victory without a fight. And it's where true freedom is. True freedom is. Did you get anything out of tonight? All right, thank you. No, don't applaud. Just absorb that in. Thank you very much. I know we've been talking from a Christian perspective, and I know most of you in this room.